Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Real World. This is your host, Tom Palo Sá, talking to you from the CITR station at UBC Point Grey Campus, located in the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. This week, we have a very special episode. Uh, first of all, because, of course, as always, we have the incredible, the one and only, Lily Grow. Say hello, Lily. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but we also have a very special guest. His name is Will Riley. You guys might know him. I'm going to let you introduce yourself in a second. But I will just say that, you know, just like two weeks ago when we did a throwback episode where I did an episode with Fernando and Liam, um, this is another throwback episode. Because once again, as I explained in that previous episode, uh, Liam and Will used to be radio liaisons of the UBC Film Society. They used to be the hosts of the real world. And they brought me in under their wings as their junior radio liaison. And now I pay it back. Now, you know, see how the tables have turned. Now I'm in the chair of power. <laughs> now I'm radio liaison. And Will is here once again. Thank you for having me, Juan. I'm ready to be exploited by you. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes. uh, I'm Will. I'm the co-film liaison now with yes. my twin brother, Liam. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to be on air for the first time. During my time as the radio li- liaison, I was uh, unfortunately pre-recorded episodes, so... It's cool to be live on air. Hell yeah. We're no. very honored to have you. When I was applying for junior radio, I went and like was listening back to some old episodes that they published. And the first one I listened to was you three like doing the Oscars of what that Aww. year, like the 2021. So And you thought I was really cool and you were like, Oh my god, I'm gonna apply that one guy sounds amazing. Yeah, it's a good exactly. thing that those those twin brothers are gone. So <laughs> just hang out with Juan. <laughs> Trim out the fat, you know, just just leave the cool guy. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, I'm joined by Lily, I'm joined by Will, but I am also joined by two very special people who are benching right now. They don't have a microphone, but they can run to a microphone if they so desire. So, first of all, we have a recurring guest, you know, he's a recurring character in this TV show. He keeps popping up every so often. We don't like him, but the ratings do, so we keep <laughs> inviting him back. You guys need to stop acting, asking for this guy because we, we can't, we can't make, make him a main character, okay? This is not how it works. This is the Juan and Lily show, okay? But here he is, once again, everyone's favorite Mexican, Fernando Vargas. <laughs> Say hello, Fernando. Hello. Uh, uh, nice to have you again, Fernando. Wow, it's been such a long time. Never have you here. Wow. We missed you so much. Yeah, it's been yeah. a whole week. Yeah, we did. Well, anyways, anyways, <laughs> we also have a very special guest, and this one is very special. This is the first. Th- <laughs> I'm kidding, Fernando. You're also very special. This is the first time we have her here on the show. We are blessed by the presence of the one and only Sophia. What's your last name, Sophia? Hedler. Sophia Hedler. Say hello, Sophia. Hello. What can you tell us about yourself? What are you What are you doing here? <laughs> I'm not actually on Film Society, but I'm just supporting Lily. Hell yeah. So. Yeah, you're one of Lily's incredible friends. Thank you, Sophia. I needed it. I was like, I've made it through the whole year with Juan. <laughs> but this last episode, it's yeah. Yeah. yeah, you just, you know, you wanted to her to see how great it is to be in a radio room with me. You know, you you, you know, you was you were like, more people <laughs> should experience this. That's exactly what I said. Ah, how you did know, you know? You know, I, you know, I'm just psychic. I'm, I'm that way. I'm like Bradley Cooper in Nightmare Alley, except for the part where he kills his father. I don't do that. I just I just do the psychic abilities. Okay, thank Interesting. you for clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'm happy you're here, Sophia. And I can't wait to see your little parcels of knowledge sprinkled throughout the episodes. <laughs> Just like did we did with Jasmine, start preparing some catchphrases or something. Because, you know, our viewers are going to be very interested in hearing what you have to say. 
Now, very long introduction, but uh, you know, I'll keep introducing one last thing. This is my last episode as host of the Real World. Aww. It has been. Uh, thank you, Will. Thank you. Uh, it, it, uh, thank you, Lily. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, this has been a great experience. This has been a great. You know, I, I guess we can call it like a season of the TV show that is the Real World. Um, you know, we had a previous season where Liam and Will were main characters. Now we had a season where I am main character. <laughs> And this season is coming to an end today, and now it's time for a new season to begin with the incredible Lily Grow as main character. Yeah. So yeah, this is my last episode officially as host of the Real World. Next week there won't be an episode of the Real World. I don't know. Maybe there will be a rerun. It all depends on what our programming manager here at the CITR decides to do. But most likely there won't be any new episodes until September, when you know school starts once again and Lily comes back as radio liaison of the UBC Film Society and host of the Real World. So congrats, Lily. You're Thank gonna kill you. it. Can't wait. Don't forget about us over the summer to all of our weekly listeners. Yes, yes. Come back in September. <laughs> Please come back Juan in September. Juan will visit. Oh, thank you, Lily. I mean, if, if you have me, I'd be I'd be very happy to be here. Anyways, <laughs> as you guys know, uh, the series that we've been doing throughout this term is called The Movies That Shaped Us, uh, where Lily and I have been interviewing different guests who have come on the show to talk about, once again, the movies that shaped them. Uh, just a caveat, these are not their favorite movies of all time. These are not the best movies they've seen. These are just simply the movies that have impacted them the most. You know, the movies that, as the title implies, shaped them. Or I guess another title we could use is A Story of Their Lives Told Through Film. You know, in previous episodes, we've had different guests, such as Fernando, such as Alma, such as Liam, such as Lily, such as myself. And now it is time to cap it all off with an episode from the incredible ex-radio liaison, now film liaison, master student Soon at to be UBC. film liaison, too, Soon actually. Soon to be ex-film liaison yeah. as well. But Will Riley, Thank you for up. having me. Um, I'd like to start the show off by adding some sandbags here. Okay. So... <laughs> Um, I came in assuming that I would be sharing the episode, but uh, unfortunately, Lily will not be doing part two. So yes. not to call her out, I put, put full blame <laughs> on Juan. So if my performance is weak because of that, hey! <laughs> out there. Well, it's uh, all on Lily. Yeah. Okay. No, purely on Juan. Okay. And second, uh, <laughs> I blame. just had a terrible sleep last night. Like I was tossing and turning. Like I was like kind of like hallucinating, I think. I have no idea. Like I just felt Yo. terrible. No. So, you know, we'll see how I do today, but. Just putting those out there before we start. Hey, sleepless night. Your girlfriend's back in town. What can I say? You know, <sighs> you know, yeah, exactly. It sounds like you were having fun. <laughs> <laughs> Hallucinating. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it is good that you let all of uh, Lily's rabid fan base know that you know that you are not taking up her time she forfeited her time yeah. okay yeah yeah they'll come after they you would come like after you you'd be canceled actually <laughs> damn well maybe i should just walk off now then avoid the cancellation <laughs> yeah anyways what is the first movie that shaped you mr riley so i know that fernando and liam did like some weird chronological thing i i just made like a list when i was like just shotgun spreading on letterbox so i'm just gonna go down the list and Love see that. what happens See what piques my interest first. I'll start with um, Revenge of the Sith, Star yes. ep- Episode 3. Um, I know Liam mentioned this one, but uh, Liam and I used to watch just the opening sequence like every day for probably like a year, it felt like. Um, memorized all the lines. Uh, it was just incredibly... I think it's the most affective Star Wars movie, maybe. 
uh, other than the the one that shall not be named on this episode. Um, uh, you can name it. You can name it. Well, we'll we'll avoid the conversation because you got you guys hashed it out already a number <laughs> of times. So, but yeah, I don't know. Does anyone else have anything to say about this the Star Wars? I think it's my second favorite Star Wars, maybe third favorite. But yeah. I'm going to try to mention something different than what I already said in the previous episode where Liam brought up Revenge of the Sith. But yeah, I love Star Wars. I love extensive universes. I am a big fan of world building. And I think, you know, the prequel trilogy, even though they're not my favorite and they're not the strongest story-wise, I do think they open up the universe in a very interesting way. The way they flesh out the Jedi Council, the way they flesh out, like, you know, a throwaway line that George Lucas included in episode four. Like, oh, yes, uh, your father fought in the Clone Wars. Like, that was just, like, a random line that he just came up with on the day. I think that's the story. And the fact that they made, like, this three films just fleshing out that backstory and explaining what the Clone Wars are. And, you know, even to this day, episode three, even though I'm not the biggest fan of the prequels, episode three is one I really, really like. That Order 66 scene hits me. That, hey, what, what was it like? Hey. You were you were a brother to me, Anakin. <laughs> I hate you. You were meant to destroy the Sith, not join them. Juan should be a voice actor. <laughs> That's what I've been saying. <laughs> Did you hear my Jar Jar Binks impression? No, this I haven't. This is the best one. This is the best one. <laughs> do it, no, do it. no, no, no. Just quickly. Just quickly. I'll have to go, have quickly. To go back. <laughs> Mr. Dada Binks. Mr. Dangan Okay, I'm adding a Phantom Menace to mine now. Just no, for that, I, I hate the Phantom Menace, but it, it's funny to to imitate. See, I don't, I don't hate the Phantom Menace. I also, I don't hate any of the. They're so nostalgic for me. I think fair. Um, like I own like the full box set for the first three, and then like the the prequels. Um, I don't know. I know. I I recognize their quality. Maybe some people don't like them. Even Attack of the Clones, I like. I really, really like. Oof, yeah, that's so, a, that's an oof for me. I just, I don't know. It's pure nostalgia. It's. Uh, as much as like I've gone away from like the world building cinematic universe thing, when I was a kid, like that that was a huge thing for me. I love Star Wars and uh, play with like little action figurines all the time. Uh, played all the video games. I was a big Star Wars guy. So, hell yeah! yeah. You know th- there is there is a saying that I, I I think it's incredibly truthful. That is that no one hates Star Wars more than a Star Wars fan. And I, I think that applies. Like, r- if you're, like, a truly passionate Star Wars fan, like, you're going to be, like, hard on some films. Uh, you know, I'm not so much on the prequels because, once again, nostalgia factor. But, um, you know, when we get to episode eight and nine, that's where that's where my my deep thoughts start coming out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, I, I, I see what you mean. Uh, episode one, two, and three, the prequels, for all their wrongdoings, you know, they have some great things. John Williams score from The Phantom Menace. Dude, Duel of the Fates, the music that plays when Darth Maul is fighting Anakin and, and uh, not not Anakin, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, insane, dude. It's uh, And from the craft perspective, it's so well made. Yeah, some of the CGI sucks. But... I, honestly, the CGI is really good, I think. Oh, I think, think so? it, it holds up. And even bad CGI, we'll see some bad CGI later in my list. I like bad CGI. So <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> um, I'm on board with bad CGI. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when, when Anakin said his famous line... I hate sand. It's coarse and rough and it gets everywhere. You were like, ah, oh, cinema. So me. <laughs> so you. <laughs> fuck yes. Um, yeah, Revenge of the Sith. Great film. Lily, uh, any thoughts on Revenge of the Sith? Uh, I agree. You with, are, you agree with, yeah, any, with that. All, all of the above? Yeah. And Fernando, oh, you don't have a mic. Oh, sorry. You can't talk. Oh, wow. What a shame. Anyway, Leah, uh, Will, <laughs> keep going. Um, next, I mean, we may as well pick up on the bad CGI. Let's go with the um, Scooby-Doo 2002, uh, the James Gunn Scooby-Doo. Let's go. I think it's, I, I mean, this is another one that I think reoccurring for a lot of the, the stuff that I watched when I was a kid. I just rewatched it constantly. 
Um, it was on TV, and this can like even more broadly encompass like those animated like fifty minute uh, Scooby Doo shows that were always on like the Cartoon Network. Um, but I, this this one in particular is, is such a, a goofy uh, such a goofy movie. The CGI obviously is like really bad, um, but I, I I think it's wonderful. It, it's due for a rewatch for me. I really want to um, return to it because I haven't seen it in, in quite a while, but I love it. Well, if it's due for a rewatch, I think I'm pretty sure the Rio is screening it in like four days. Really? <laughs> we could literally go watch it if Maybe you want. Maybe we should go. <laughs> Maybe we should. We should make a trip out of it. Hell and yeah. if you're listening, you can come and meet us there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe a little fan event. <laughs> People show up with signs. Yeah. Lily's legions of fans mm-hmm. are going to come get her autograph. L- Lily, do you have any fond memories of 2002 Scooby-Doo? No, I'm on board for a rewatch too because I literally don't remember it at I re- all. I remember being weirded out by the like humanoid dog that can speak yeah, works yeah. In, in cartoon animation in live action it I was remember scary being like yeah i remember like the one scene where they like tried to get into a plane and they dress scooby up as like a woman like an yeah. old woman yeah, yeah. yeah. like in the cartoon that would work but in live action i'm like guys that's a dog like what the fuck are you why, why is everyone smoking in this world and then the one scene i remember vividly from i don't know if it's this film or the second scooby-doo live action film there's a scene where like one of them maybe it's Shaggy or or Fred, I don't remember. One of them is like hooking up with like this gorgeous like woman. This is the first one, I think. Yeah. And then she turns into like this disgusting gremlin humanoid yeah. creature, and that like, oh yeah, I see, I see her yeah. right now in my IMDb. Oh yeah, goddamn, that's that scene stuck with me. Um, Sophia, any any fun memories of Scooby Doo? Were you a Scooby Doo fan? I don't think I've seen this actual one, but I used to watch a lot of Scooby Doo. <gasps> Who was your favorite character? Um, I like Shaggy. You like mm, yeah. you, li- you like you like those stoners go with the flow yep, vibe. That's, yeah, that's my type. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> if you're a, if you're a skinny stoner, you know, uh, <laughs> Sophia Hedler might be looking for you. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's all good. Yeah, Shaggy, Shaggy, Shaggy's cool. And the actor, the actor who plays Shaggy, that's the Matthew Lillard, right? That's that's the guy from Scream. That's one of the killers sure. from the first. Yes. Scream. Oh, he's really good in Scream. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I hear that like the first script that James Gunn wrote was like rated R and Shaggy was like an actual stoner and they were like <laughs> So this this I actually like if you're going to steal this idea from me you're you're a terrible terrible human being but I have this idea to write this like Pinchonian speaking of Pinchon I have a Thomas Pinchon novel right next to me Okay I I, I want to write clearly know what Pinchonian mean but for for our listeners who have no idea what Pinchonian it's, it's means It's like this postmodern kind of stoner comedy type thing that's a bit more um like a political satire in a way, uh, hangout esque. Um, we'll talk to, about inherent vice, inherent vice next, but it's like that. But I want to write like basically mixing inherent vice and Scooby Doo and Vineland by Thomas Pinchon and write this like Vancouver, uh, like this say Scooby Doo like four, t- twenty or thirty years later, right? Like the 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 band has like this they've they've uh, gone their separate ways and then there's like something that brings them all together like a mystery or something and I want to explore that like in like this Vancouver romp basically. Hell yeah. So that's what I want to write next. That's really cool. So that's that's what I've been thinking about a lot actually. Hey, if anyone at Warner Bros is listening, you know, here. You, it's, you just... it's, it's a gritty Scooby-Doo. A gritty realistic like adult Scooby-Doo. Hell yeah. I think there's a comic book also that DC made like a DC Scooby-Doo comic book that is also like very greedy but it's like a Scooby-Doo mixed with Mad Max and it's like like apocalyptic and like weird. I'll, I'll show pictures to you during That's an ad cool. break but um, I can just imagine Shaggy like being one of those guys who lives in like those camper vans that like park yeah, along yeah, yeah. 16th or something and he's like a total burnout 
and like Fred just lives in like an apartment in Kits, but he's like a, a total loser. I, don't know, I, I I just I I think this is like a great idea that nothing hope... against people who have apartments in Kits. <laughs> no, no, but Kits apartments are expensive. But I imagine he's like a he's like a uh, trust fund kid who's like a total loser. Mm. Fair. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I mean, uh, we learned a new word, Pinchonian. Write that down in your personal dictionary. Make sure you use that in your next conversation. You'll sound super cool and smart and postmodern. Just like Will. <laughs> Fuck yes. Oh, yeah. Um, should I go next? We may as well do Inherent Vice next, I think. Speaking of Pinchonian. So Inherent Vice is a PTA movie, um, and it's an adaptation of the novel. I recently read the novel, having seen the movie, like, like maybe like three or four years ago, I really liked the the movie. The novel is unfortunately better, but returning to the movie, it's it's quite remarkable what PTA is able to do with such like an expensive book. The way that Pinchon writes, it's like he'll start on one thread and then just like completely divert into another thread, like a backstory of a backstory of a conversation. And like, I imagine it's like, it is really hard, I, I would imagine, to adapt it. And I think PTA does the best possible job you could at capturing kind of this... Um, feeling that a pinch on novel has so really really good walking phoenix great performance cool shit fernando's been reading inherent vice i wonder if he has any comments you have wait just a a little thing for those of you don't know when will says pta that's paul thomas anderson okay we (laughs) just just in case not parents teachers yes (laughs) that's where my mind went to uh yes i'm currently reading inherent vice i'm a very slow reader (laughs) Um, but it's incredible, yeah, like Will said, just like going on tangents. There's a part like in the middle of the book where you go on a flashback to one of the first times the protagonist meets the love interest, Shasta Faye Hepworth, played by Catherine Waterston. Incredible performance by Catherine Waterston. In the film, not in the in book. In the film, yeah. yeah. <laughs> good. And that's one of the best like flashbacks I've read. And it's so good. The book is great. The movie is great. It's, it, has, it has Hong Chao. And you know how I feel about Hong Chao. I, I do know how you feel about Hong Chao. Hey, I love Hong Chao. She was great in The Whale. And showing up. Sure. Back to showing up. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, uh, Lily, have you watched any Paul Thomas Anderson film? Um, I've seen Licorice Pizza. <gasps> and what do you think about the pizza of Licorice? I liked it, but I think that might be the only one I have not seen Inherent Vice. Mm. Add to the watch list. I have not seen Inherent Vice either. I think that's like, I'm only missing two PTA films, like Inherent Vice and Hard Eights. I think those are the two I'm missing. But yeah, PTA PTA is a grower for me. He's one of those directors that I used to hate. Like I used to Mm. not enjoy his films at all. Like what? I don't know, man. Like, I think I just wa- I tried watching Phantom Thread. Like, So I haven't seen Phantom Thread. No, now I love Phantom yeah. Thread. Now, now Phantom Thread is like my second favorite PTA film. And I think it's an amazing, beautiful, beautiful movie. But, you know, it is a slower, very slow film. And, you know, I tried watching it when it came out in 2017. And 16-year-old Juan was like, what the fuck is this low bullshit? Uh, now I love it. I love Phantom Thread. Love There Will Be Blood. Love The Master. That's my favorite. Oh, mm. The Master is so good. This is interesting to me. Like, not... The Master and Phantom Thread are your two favorite PTAs? And num- number three is There Will Be Blood. But, I would not uh, have guessed that. Yeah, dude. The, the Master just... Oh, the Master just... It, it, it was haunting. Like, I felt yeah. I was being hypnotized. Like, you know, in those scenes where Amy Adams is talking to Joaquin Phoenix and, you know, she's doing, like, the whole, like, mind reconfiguration scene. And, like, I, I felt like she was talking to me and she was, like, tapping into my soul and reconfiguring the way my mind worked. It was just so... And and that character that Joaquin Phoenix plays in the in the Master was just so fascinating, like to study. Just like I, I felt like 
yeah, like someone going to a zoo and like analyzing like this weird animal that is behaving in an incredibly strange way. Uh, plus all the undertones that the master has, like criticizing Scientology, uh, really, really powerful shit. And then, you know, I love twisted fairy tales. And in my opinion, uh, Phantom Thread is one of the best twisted fairy tales. Like it's it's beautiful and it's almost fitting of being like this beautiful princess story about this woman who achieves a perfect life and they make dresses. Um, but then it's also dark and horrific at some points. And then it, it, it also... What was it gonna? Oh yeah, also the idea of the the obsessive artist, like an artist who's like truly dedicates soul and body to his work, a la the Black Swan or the Wrestler and some of Aronofsky films. I I like that a lot, and that it, that is present in 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 uh, Phantom Thread. Anyways, nice. I, I didn't mean to derail the no, conversation. No, that's, that's I love a little Juan derailment. That's good. Oh, thank um, you. Last thing about Inherent Vice, there's like a sequence in the novel that's like in Las Vegas, which. Functionally, wouldn't work in the uh, in the movie, obviously, but it's, it, I think it's the best part of the novel, which is like too bad. I don't know what you think, Fernando, but I, I like that part. Well, what happens in Vegas? Nothing really. <laughs> what he, happens in Vegas stays uh, in Vegas. I mean, if you haven't seen the film, it's about a PI who's like trying to investigate the disappearance of his ex girlfriend, um, and he just follows a trail and leads him to Vegas, and he's kind of unearthing like a big conspiracy, like like any like noir or neo noir, um, huh. but it's a lot of fun. So, recommend it if you haven't seen it. Uh, let's move on. To Magnolia, another PTA film. I don't want to oh, yeah. come off as a PT- PTA bro, but um, <laughs> I guess I'm kind of coming off like that. I, I mean, I think Magnolia is my favorite PTA. Um, it's it's the kind of film that conveys something that is like ineffable, if you know what I mean. Like, there's something about um, human condition and family that Magnolia is able to actualize on screen that even after watching the film, you can't necessarily describe it. You just feel it. Um, mm. and I think that's what the best cinema does is it conveys something that you can't describe in words. So yeah, I love Magnolia. Best Tom Cruise performance for sure. I was just going to say like generally one, like an incredible, incredible performance from Tom Cruise. This and Top Gun Maverick, amazing performances. I agree. For completely yeah. different reasons. <laughs> yeah. Like Tom Cruise stardom in, in Top Gun, but like this Magnolia, him playing like not a minor role, but one of in an ensemble cast. It's yeah. just he he slots right in, and John C. Riley's really good too. Which is like not a big John C. Riley guy, but <clears throat> he's good in this. I also remember the first fifteen minutes of Magnolia, where it's just like this this fluid monologue about uh, uh, coincidences and 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 you know things that just happen out of coincidence. And it, 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 those first fifteen minutes, I remember I was really impressed when I saw this film for the first time. Mm. Love Magnolia. Nice. Okay, um, where do we want to go next? Thinking maybe let's do Local Hero. So it's a 1983 film, um, Bill Forsyth. If you asked me like maybe six months ago, I would have said it was my favorite movie of all time for a long time. Um, again, the same ineffable uh, experience. I think it's one of the best looking movies of all time. Um, and it kind of hit, it hit me in the middle of uh, Liam and I our infamous watching a movie every single day for many days in a row. Uh, and when a movie stands out in the middle of like a slog like that, like, you know, it's, it's really good. And that's what local hero did. It was like, it's one of those like renewal moments where kind of getting bored watching a movie every single day. Not really, but kind of, and local hero is like, reminds you why you love movies. I think. Cool. Yeah. I haven't watched look. Have you watched local hero? Okay. Fernando, maybe, maybe tell us something about local hero. <laughs> Uh, sure. It's about um, 
a company that wants to buy a town. Basically, that's the essence of the film. And they send the protagonist to the town to like flesh out the details of the purchase. Oh, shit. And I don't want to reveal too much. It's not like a spoilable film. How dare you? But it's it's a great experience. There's a telephone booth that's like the most iconic part of the film, I guess. I I mean, you just have to watch it. <laughs> Thank you. Great endorsement. Watch it for the telephone booth. <laughs> I am convinced. You know, the telephone yeah. booth is evocative. Let's just say that. You'll never look at a telephone booth the same after seeing that oh movie. God. Are you convinced, Sophia? Are you going to go home and watch Local Hero? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She yeah, says yeah. yes. Yeah, Sophia's nodding right now. She's a big fan of telephone booths, for those of you who don't know it. You know, skinny stoner guys and telephone booth. <laughs> if you're a skinny stoner guy in a telephone booth, like, come on. That's just like, <laughs> that's just like 100%. Anyways. <laughs> Sorry, Sophia. I apologize. <laughs> you came here to Whoever support your friend. On, anyone who comes on and they're nude, they just get torn apart. Um. No, no. We love Sophia, okay? Sophia's amazing. Thank you for coming, okay? Sophia watched Mama Mia with us at the at norm. At the beer garden. At the beer garden, and it was a great experience. It was, yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Anyway, Lil. Will. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Lil, I just fused both of you. Um. We'll go like similar theme, watching movies, like a lot of movies all at once and one sticking out. Um, this Christmas break, took a break from all of the movies that I have to watch for school, which sometimes becomes a slog. Yes. And I watched like a bunch of like movies that were, I guess, blind spots that Liam likes to call them. Um, and I watched Belly, which is a 1998 film directed by Hype Williams. And uh, we showed it at the norm earlier in the year so if you had a chance to come see it thank you for coming um and i it's just this this purely again it's an affective film and it's uh it's apocalyptic like almost premonitory i would say uh, it's it comes it's made in 98 but it's about the turn of the millennial or millennium so 99 to 2000 and it, it really is it's a bleak movie i think but it's also um it's unfortunate because hype williams never really directed a feature film after that after this film he, he more went the music video route which is kind of the case for a lot of um a lot of directors who start off like that so really good movie um and again it's one of those things that when you're watching a bunch of movies and one sticks out to you like that it's it's, it's kind of special so yeah anyone here has watched belly any, any hands up? Fernando, uh, Fernando take me. it off. I don't think Fernando liked it as much as me, which was really sad, but... I mean, I find it funny that you call this a blind spot. <laughs> when you said, like, oh, I watched a blind spot, I thought you were going to say, like, oh, I finally watched yeah, no, Room and I, Show. I should, I should say, like, blind spot. We were watching, like, our house blind spots, and this was just, like, okay, a random okay. one where it's like, oh, let's take a break from the blind spots and watch this one that's, like, just on movie, I think. It was, like, on movie for, like, one of those I rotating see. movies, and... Uh, it was the best movie I saw this Christmas break. So. And Hype Williams directed the music video for Viva La Vida from Coldplay. Just a little <laughs> fun fact. You know, that's one that of Lily's so favorite films. That's why she's giggling right now. <laughs> favorite songs, I must say. Anyway, Fernando, tell us about Belly. Tell us about your belly. <laughs> how's how's your belly? I'm great. Um, yeah. Thank like, you. <laughs> yeah. Like Will said, I wasn't the biggest fan of Belly. How dare you? But I will say that the the opening sequence, it's like one of the best opening sequences I've seen. Um, like, that's oh. where you see Hype Williams really delving into the music video aesthetic. I don't know the name of the song, do you know? Uh, Coldplay Viva La Vida. I actually, it's it's selected <laughs> on the playlist today. It's uh, oh I can pull it up really quick. 
Oh. It's called Back to Life. Oh, she. Yeah. So then right after we finish talking about belly, we will listen to the song. Fernando, anything else you want to tell us about your belly? No. <laughs> Great. Okay. Without further ado, let's jump into our first musical break and let's go listen to Back to Life from Soul to Soul and Karen Wheeler from the movie Belly. And here it is. Uh, one second. Here. Do you need me? However, however, 
You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. MRG Live presents Men I Trust, live at the Orpheum on May 3rd. Don't miss the Montreal Dream Pop Band as they bring their untourable album to Vancouver's most beautiful venue. Men I Trust, live at the Orpheum on May 3rd. Limited tickets remaining. caffeinated? And do you hate that greedy, soulless international conglomerates are succeeding in the cutthroat world of coffee? Sounds like local coffee roasters Trek Coffee is for you. Trek Coffee is 100% indigenous and military veteran owned and operated. Let's keep small businesses thriving. Stop by Sunshine Convenience on 4th, the Super Value on Commercial, or Grocery Checkout in the Nest to pick up some Trek Coffee today. Welcome back to the real world. This is your host, Juan Pablo Sato, talking to you from CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver. I hope you'll enjoy that musical break, which I do pray you were able to listen. <laughs> I hope the song was audible and it wasn't just here in our speakers. Uh, I might have messed up. Um, I hope I hope you listened to the song. That was a, a good song, fun song. Uh, if you, anyway. If you didn't get to listen to it, look it up. It's called Back to Life. Yes. It's good. Definitely do that. Um, once again, for those of you who are just tuning in, I am once again joined by the incredible, the amazing Lily Grow. Hi, I'm Lily Grow. By Will Riley. Hi, I'm Will Riley. By Fernando. Hi, I'm Fernando. <laughs> and by a celebrity, okay? I was just informed that one of the people who are joining us today at the radio station is actually a famous guitar player slash singer called Sophia Hedler. Thank you so much for that intro, Juan. Dude, we're really honored to have you you here. And stick around. Last five minutes, we're going to get a special live performance from Sophia. Of her new song, Never Been Heard Before. Is that the title of the song, Never Been Heard Before? Maybe. You'll have to wait until the end and see. Damn. It's going to be so much fun. Sophia, can't can't wait for that. Thank you. Thank you for blessing (laughs) our listeners with that incredible surprise. Anyway, uh, for those of you just tuning in, once again, we are going through... The movies that shaped the one and only Will Riley. Uh, he has already talked about a couple of films, and now it is time to move on. Will, what is your next pick? Uh, on the break, Fernando and I were talking about The World by uh, Giazanka. I don't know if I'm pronouncing the name correctly, but we saw it together way back when in uh, Fist 230 um, with the one and only Sue Ann uh, Yo, I think her last name was. Um, yes. We'll reserve our comments about the class in general. But <laughs> the movie was really good. Oh. Um, Damn. We all, I also saw another one uh, called Still Life uh, later on in a Mila's class, Mila Zuo. Uh-huh. Um, and she's really good. So that's a good class. You should take that. It's Australasian cinema. Um, <laughs> okay. But in both cases, what's what's going on here is I know like there's – people call it slow cinema. I don't really like uh, slow cinema. I think it's a bit of a – You don't? Well, no. I, I don't like the concept of slow cinema. I don't really ah, okay, think okay. it's accurately describing what movies like this – uh, are doing okay and this is going to sound super heady but i'm, I'm going to say it anyways um but like there's this Deleuzian. so jill Deleuze is like a film philosopher 
uh, and he's got this concept that he's, he's building off of another philosopher, um, called Bergson. And he's got this idea of like duration basically. And what a film like the world does is kind of reminds the viewer of changes in temporality and how, uh, we experience time basically. So how like a two hour experience might feel like two minutes or a 30 seconds experience might feel like two hours. Um, and what the world does and what still life does, I think also, um, in these like really long shots with the, a camera that doesn't really move a lot or it's stationary, it kind of, it brings attention to, to itself, like the duration of time that's going on. Um, and I think it's really powerful, especially in a film, uh, that's so alienating like the world, uh, considering the conditions that the characters, uh, find themselves in, in the film. And, um, super powerful it, in, in a way it's like um alienate alienating but also like super affective again i'm saying affective a lot but that's what i've been thinking about a lot with um my cinema so yeah really wonderful film that was in the middle of a class i wasn't necessarily enjoying so it was uh significant for me i ended up writing my final essay on it and everything so yeah i think fernando should talk about the world See what he has to say about this too. What are your thoughts on the world, Fernando? How what is what is the po- political <laughs> state of the world? What what can you say? It's dire out there, but <laughs> the world, the film, uh huh, it's so good. Um, I just remember watching it and being like hypnotized by those images of um. Okay, some context before the world refers to these like theme park in China where there's miniature replicas of landmarks, world landmarks. So the workers at this park are walking around like Eiffel Tower and the next minute they're in front of the Taj Mahal. Um, So I'm just like obsessed by these images of workers existing in this imaginary space created by capitalism, by late stage capitalism. And... I mean, it's a lot about suffering. It's a lot. It's very effective, to go back to Will's point. Slow cinema is effective, I think, by nature. But, yeah, I just really love it. Good shit. Uh, Lily, do you want to say anything about the world? About the, the, the state world. of the world? <laughs> it will also be one that goes on my watch list. Yes. Um. But, yeah, it sounds good. It's bleak, according to this film. <laughs> and I tend to agree. Um, but it's really good. And... Uh, what I took away from it, which is really powerful, is, um, is your name matters. That's what I. That's what the film kind of taught me. So super your powerful name? film. Your name. Okay. In in a world that is atomizing, like the world, the one that Fernando described, where you walk two blocks and you're in front of a mini Eiffel Tower, and then you're in the middle of somewhere else, and it's it's your name matters. So really good movie. I will go on next to the Green Ray which is an Eric Romer film. Um, and that, if you have talked to me probably in the last like, year, that's what I would say my favorite movie is. Um, I think it has the best ending that any film has ever had and ever will have. Um, <clears throat> operating in a similar slow cinema style as, as the world. Um, and again, it's doing the, playing with duration. But what I think is interesting about The Green Ray and the world is actually like how the cut operates in those films. Um, I think a lot of the discourse around slow cinema is about the duration of, of shots and how long they 
uh, last for, but really it's the cut that I think it's important. Um, so the Green Ray is is it's about uh, a woman in France who ha- is having this like existential crisis because she doesn't know where she's going to vacation. Um, her friends are in different spots. She recently broke up with her boyfriend, but she's still in love with him. Um, she goes to the mountains, the Swiss Alps. She goes to the beach. She goes back to Paris, and she is having the worst time of her life. Um, when she and and I think it's 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 really really quite powerful. Um, Eric Romer films just follows these generally fairly privile- privileged people in France, upper middle class people who are having just these existential nightmares. Um, and aesthetically, it it's it's quite amazing. I'm looking forward to vis- visiting places like that in France with Fernando later in this this summer. So, yeah, I don't know. Has anyone seen the Green Ray here? I haven't. Uh, nope. I'm seeing many heads shaking right now. But I mean, I, I guess you've mentioned it uh, enough. Uh, so far that I guess we could talk a little bit about slow cinema and what that means. Um, you know, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of slow movies. <laughs> I, I much prefer yeah. the high energy, fast cuts of a la Everything Everywhere All at Once, Babylon or stuff like that. I'm a big fan of that sort of style. Um, but I, I do I do enjoy some slow movies, you know, not, not all of them, but I do enjoy some of them. I think, you know, I was talking to this about Lillian with Lillian Fernando like a couple of days ago that I, I, I just I don't I, you know, yeah, I don't like feeling bored while watching a movie. I will add to that conversation that I do think there's a difference in between a boring movie and a slow movie. I am all in favor of slow movies when by the end I feel like I gained something out of it. But yeah, my big my big no-no is when I watch a slow movie and by the end I feel like great, I wasted three hours of my life. So I hope I hope uh, Les Rajons Vertes or however the hell you say this film and the other ones. You know, I'm assuming these are films that when I watch them, I'll, I'll gain something from them. Or what do you think? The Green Ray is only 98 minutes, so you're not going to waste three hours of your life. And Good. I do think you'll gain something from it by the end. So you should definitely add it to your watch list. I've been saying that for years to Juan, though, to be fair. You have. This so. one, Local Hero, all of these films have been in my list for a very long time. They will watch at the norm sometime. Fuck yes. All right. Um... Let's switch gears and go to The Mask. So I think Liam mentioned The Mask. Um, another, It was the first movie theater experience that I can remember. Um, and, it, and, and just because of that, it's significant to me. I can't really say I recall much of the movie. Um, so I, I, again, it's something that I should rewatch. But um, first movie theater experience... I remember just being scared, I think. It was scary. <laughs> I actually yes. had a number of like scary movie theater experiences when I was a kid. I went to see um, a Nick Cage film called The Knowing, I think, because um, I was obsessed with Nick Cage, and I saw like commercials for it uh, on the TV and heard it on the radio, and I told my mom, like, oh, we have to go to this movie. I think it was near my birthday one year. Um, and we went to go see it, and within 20 minutes, I was having like a full-blown nightmare. I was like tugging on my mom's arm to like get me out. So we left the theater, and my mom actually got like – a refund for the tickets. <laughs> um, so a lot of early theater experiences that were actually quite traumatic for me. And I think the mask actually kind of falls into that, um, that for me. Cause it was, it was just scary. So yeah. I don't know. Has anyone watched the mask recently? Not recently. Mm. We, we talked about it with Liam. I'm yeah. not, I, I don't want to tread the same water, but fucking love the mask. Like yeah. that's once again, that's such a high energy film that it just, Oh, it just fueled me up every time I watch it. And I also really admire Jim Carrey as a performer. I think there are very few actors that have as much control over every single muscle of their face and body as Jim Carrey. 
uh, and you know his performance, his expressions, the way he moves, and 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 you know, yeah, the way he expresses his face is just exemplary. And you are right, the villain at the end of the film when the villain takes the mask, that shit's scary. That yeah. that shit was very scary as a child. That's scary. Speaking of Beetlejuice, watched that a lot every Halloween. That was like on rerun uh, at my place every Halloween when I was a kid. Um, so I, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Um, I really should rewatch it. But what about the beer garden? I didn't watch it cause I was floor managing. I think. <gasps> yeah. Damn. So I didn't get to rewatch it, which is foolish of me. I shouldn't have floor managed, but someone's <laughs> got to do it as they say. Um, and it ain't going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be Juan. That's for sure. Um, but Juan dressed up as Beetlejuice. So I, I that did. was probably the best costume I've ever seen. Um, I, we went shopping together for that. We did. You bought a you bought a Fred from Scooby Doo. Speaking I think I, of yeah, it, speaking of Scooby Doo, <laughs> I I don't, I don't know. I think I looked pretty good. I was a good Fred. Oh, dude, you do, you look beautiful. Thank you. I, I dressed I was up like, as Fred for one Halloween too. Nice. Mm, nobody asked you, okay, Lily. This, <laughs> this is a me and Will <laughs> conversation. I'm okay, I'm well, in okay. This. No, when did you dress up as uh, Fred? Okay. Grade twelve, like last year. Nice. Damn. To go trick or treating. Nice. I yeah. did. I stopped going trick or treating really early in my life, which is a sore spot. I decided me. I was going to go through all the way till grade twelve, and that would be the last time. I nice. want to know why you picked Fred. Why didn't you go like Vilma or Daphne? I went with like the clothes I had, and I had what I needed to be Fred. Was Sophia Shaggy? No, I should have been Shaggy. <gasps> she wishes. <laughs> Who did you dress up as? Last year. Get closer to the mic, right. Sophia. Last year. Yes. I think I was a witch. I think I was something very yeah. boring. Yeah. No, yeah. no, nothing wrong with the classics, oh, okay? Wait, maybe I dressed up as from the girl from Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I think I think I was that. Mm. Yeah. I think I was two costumes. Nice. Hell yeah. I <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> love that. Um, well, we have two Fred fans over here, but uh, so Beetlejuice. Yeah, Beetlejuice. <laughs> I don't know. It's good. It's just one of those kid movies that you watched a lot when you were a kid. Can't remember it, but love it. Yeah. Um, I remember as a as a child, like the whole idea of like a ghost story told from the perspective of a ghost, like that just blew my mind. I remember telling my friends, like guys, like I found the movie. Someone is being called right now. I turn it off. Will you're very popular, people, <laughs> dude. That's how popular it was. He actually, is, okay? my mother. So, <gasps> dude, is we should have. Oh, is she tuning? Is she tuning in? She's not tuning in. I don't think she knows I'm on this right Damn, now. Damn, you yeah. should have answered. You should have put her on the microphone <laughs> and been like, "Mom, be you're on the radio." She'd be so upset. <laughs> Okay. Can't do that to her. Um, yeah, love Beetlejuice. Lily, you love Beetlejuice? I've never seen it. How dare you? Fernando, you love Beetlejuice? Fernando loves Beetlejuice, but he's away from a mic. Sophia, you love Beetlejuice? I do. Hell Sophia yes. loves Beetlejuice. We add, add, add that up to the list. Beetlejuice, Shaggy, Stoner, Skinny Boys, and Phone Booths. Yeah. Good shit. <laughs> um, well, I think I'll keep going with the kids stuff. Um, hey, Beetlejuice for everyone. Jurassic Park. The first Jurassic Park. It's kid on here. stuff Jurassic Park. <laughs> no, but it's from for like me personally when I was okay, a kid. Okay, fair. The first movie I ever made was a remake of the scene in the helicopter uh, with my brother and my uncle with a like a camcorder, and we like kind of like remade it shot for shot. And I can't find the movie. I don't know where it exists, but that was like my first foray into f- filmmaking, um, and it's like such a formative moment in my mind uh, that. You know, I I like Jurassic Park. I don't know how much I like it now. It's good. It's really good. But it's not like one of my favorite movies of all time. But because that's that was like my first, it was my first impetus to make something. Uh, it's significant for me, very significant. And I know Juan, you love Jurassic Park. 
fucking adore Jurassic Park. Like, it could very well be, like, my favorite Spielberg film. And, like, one of, one of, in my opinion, one of the best movies I've seen. As you mentioned, as a child, watching that movie was also incredibly formative. Mm. Like, I think that was, like, one of my first experiences when I was, like, truly curious about how the hell did they make this? Because, like, all the dinosaurs seemed so real. And I remember watching Star Wars, you know, my parents would say, like, oh, yes, that Bantha is actually an elephant with a costume. And I was like, that made sense. But seeing this huge dinosaur, like a T-Rex, I'm like, how the, f- how the hell you make that work? And that was, like, one of the first times where I was, like, really seeking out the behind-the-scene footage, trying to learn how it happened, learning about the magic of filmmaking. I remember I became obsessed with, like, this YouTube video that was, like, uh, top 10 movie mistakes in Jurassic Park you have never noticed. And I was, like, catching, like, spelling mistakes or you can see, like, an arm rustling the leaves inside the Velociraptor en- encounter. And, like, that blew my mind. And, yeah, to this day, I think... You know, if you want an example of the Spielberg magic, you know, both the horror that he perfected in Jaws, but then also the the, the family wonder and the sense of wonder that you have in films such as E.T. and uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, I think Jurassic Park is just the perfect blend. Plus, you have, you know, based on a source material written, written by Michael Crichton, like, dude, that, that movie just... And, okay, you know it's a good movie because for the first hour, you don't see a single freaking dinosaur and you're invested. Oh, I love Jurassic Park. Love it, too. I love it's it's a huge part of my filmmaking journey and my film enjoying journey. So why did you guys pick to recreate the helicopter scene? I don't know. <laughs> that sounds like such a weird it scene. It's very to strange. <laughs> I mean, hard to recreate any scene from that movie, obviously, yeah. with all the dinosaurs. So we weren't gonna like recreate that. It was it, it was just that helicopter scene. I don't know why. <laughs> like it's the final strange. one when they're like leaving and No, no, the opening one. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like the first scene in the movie, right? Or well, is that the first scene or the, like the the, the the first scene is the Velociraptors yeah, killing that random that. guy. Yeah. Like yeah, them yeah. F- Choppering in. Okay, fair, fair. That, that is a weird. It's scene very to strange. I, it's super weird. I thought you were gonna say you recreated like the scene where like the you hear the T Rex in the background and you see the water like like shaking. And I thought you were gonna say like, oh yeah, we shaked a table and. Then... No, this was this was filmed in like a living room, and like we we like kind of constructed a set and we were like wearing headsets like we were on uh, um, in the <laughs> helicopter. But yeah, hey, who needs a helicopter when you have a living room? Exactly. Lily, any thoughts on Jurassic Park? You know, it's like one of those that I can only remember actually seeing one scene and it's like when they're in the kitchen kind of area and they're hiding and I remember just like sweating like I was so nervous and that's all. Yeah. One of the most intense scenes in film history in my opinion. Yeah. Fernando, you've watched Jurassic Park. Yeah. Sofia, you've watched Jurassic Park. <gasps> no. Sophia, you gotta watch Jurassic Park. <laughs> it's so onto good. the watch list. She got Letterbox today. I sat her down. I forced her. I walked her through the process. So now she's gonna make a watch list. It will be the first one added, it right? Was a very yeah. Dude, fuck yeah. Speaking of Letterbox, you can follow me at. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna shamelessly plug my Letterbox. Uh, but I, I, sorry, Fernando. I cut you off. But uh, any words on Jurassic Park? You like Jurassic Park? Yes. He like, likes it. He said yes, but he's far away from a microphone. Anyways, Senor Will. What's next? Let's keep it going with the blockbusters, and we're going to go to Pirates of the Caribbean. Let's um, fucking go! I think Pirates of the Caribbean is the best cinematic universe. Um, Arguable, but I'm happy. That's yeah. that's my favorite. The first one, I, again, rewatched it so many times with my family. It's my mom's favorite movie, I think. Oh, fuck um, yeah. But I actually like recently like returned uh, to this, the series, I guess, and I really think that um, At World's End is the best one. I think it's it's so it's it's hyper maximalist like all the way up turned up to eleven the yep. whole thing. Um, I really like the opening uh, sequence in like the sand world. 
I think that's really cool. In like the pur- pirate purgatory? Yeah, pirate yeah, yeah, purgatory. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really interesting. I think there's like Pirates of the Caribbean is potentially like has like a lot of uh, rich philosophical uh, gleanings that you could read from the film that I would like to like actually seriously consider. Um, but it's also just like it's such a such a good time. I don't know. It's so it's it's so much fun. It's it, it feels like every character is um, has a satisfying arc. Um, and it, it works through the entire trilogy. We forget the, the 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 fourth and the fifth movie. I don't really count those. We don't talk about um, those. But really, just like so good. I like. I really loved Gore Verbinski. Yeah. Rango also is like really really good. So. Yes. Um, big Gore Verbinski guy. I I'm putting uh the Curse of the Black Pearl as as the movie here because that's the one I rewatched endlessly and and really actually. When I was a kid, I didn't really like the second or the third one that much because I was just so obsessed with the first one. Mm. But upon returning to it, at World's End is is it's it's remarkable. Damn. Do you have a favorite? I I love the pirate franchise, especially yeah the, the original trilogy. Don't like the fourth one and hate the fifth one. Uh, you know my favorite is Cur- Cur- Curse of Curse Curse of the Black Pearl. I I love that movie. I I generally think it's like a perfect adventure movie. Um, that's also the first PG-13 movie Disney ever made, ever, which is pretty damn cool. And, you know, speaking of high-energy, energetic performances a la Jim Carrey in The Mask, mm. dude, Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow, like, that is generally, in my opinion, like, one of the best performances of all time. Like, right now, yeah, sure, right now it has turned into a caricature. And that's why I love the first one so much, because I think... When they shot the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, like, they didn't know what they had with Captain Jack Sparrow. Like, in fact, from what I've read, I think Captain Jack Sparrow was meant to be, like, a secondary character in Pirates 2 and 3. Mm. But then they saw the huge success of the character in the first one, and they were like, no, let's make him the lead of the future movies. Yeah, like, it's clearly, I think, uh, Orlando Bloom is the main character in the first one. It's meant to be the... (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, well, like, obviously, like... Johnny Depp steals the show, but like he, it's clear. I think that it's setting up for Orlando Bloom to be the main character. But yeah, obviously Johnny Depp kind yeah. of carries the franchise. And I also think like right now in this moment, like yeah, sure, you, you know, Captain Jack Sparrow has been a part of all of our lives since we were like you know very little. You know, Lily and Sophia, maybe before even they were born, because they're little tiny babies here joining us in the radio. <laughs> but but uh, uh, the point is like. You know, it's weird to me to think about it. Like, there was a time when, like, you thought about pirates and all you could think about was, like, Army matey, Blackbeard, we're going to steal the treasure. And, like, to see Johnny Depp doing something so boldly original and so different to what's stereotypically pirate, like his his weird mannerisms and his walking and his running and his and his booze obsession and his, his yeah, it, it's just unlike anything I had seen before, one of the best performances of all time, in my opinion. Big Love time. that. I agree totally. And and also, scary. Like, I was really scared yeah. by the first one when I saw it as a kid. The second one, particularly, the opening sequence with, like, the gallows, that is, like, I, I should, I, when I watched the first time, I shut it off. Like, I couldn't finish the movie because it was so scary to me. Dude, and Davy Jones? Davy yeah. Jones terrified me. So scary. Weird uh, octopus daddy that was, like, apparently, dis- <laughs> weird octopus guy <laughs> that, was appar- <laughs> that was apparently, like, apparently they asked Tim Burton for, like, help with the designs of, of Davy Jones' uh, crew. Mm. And that's why, like, all of Davy Jones' crew look so Tim Burton-esque. Like, weird hybrids in between, like, sharks and, like, coral reefs and humans. And they're, like, disgusting but also fascinating. I I love that. It's, like, part of what I love about Star Wars is, like, the the random side alien characters that, like, those they look so weird and strange that, like, I I want every side character in a Star Wars movie to not be human. In the same way, like, the, the Pirates of the Caribbean side characters, like, they're not aliens, but yeah, like the 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 underwater people, they're yeah. they're so cool. 
Dude, when so Davy cool. Jones is like playing the organ with his beard tentacles, dude, come on, that's that's freaking cinema, right? Also, there. Jeffrey Rush in the first one is so good. Oh, like, yeah. w- really one of like the best villains, I think. I don't know I, everything about Pirates of the Caribbean. I, I, it's it's amazing. Barboso, baby. Anyone, you guys have anything to say about it? No, Fernando, do you not like Pirates of the Caribbean? Um, I'm not the biggest fan. I prefer the Disneyland ride. I think that's like every time. Oh, Fernando has been silenced. Wow. How dare you? No, I'm kidding. Keep going. <laughs> Talk about the Disney ride. <laughs> every time I go to Disneyland, I have to go on Pirates because it's so fun. <laughs> have you been? No. Have you been? I love, <laughs> I, I've never been to Disneyland, but I love Disney World so freaking much. And yeah, the Pirates attraction is, is a classic. That's a, that's a must. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, the films themselves, I'm not the biggest fan. I just have like a memory of being sick while watching the third one. Oh, wow, wow. So, <laughs> How dare you, wow. <laughs> that's my biggest memory of Pirates of wow, the Caribbean. Wow, that's so cool. That's so cool, Fernando. Anyway, Sophia's up. dying to talk about <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> um, I don't remember it that well, but I remember watching My Older Sisters, and it was always really exciting because it was one of the first PG-13 movies I could watch. Hell yeah. Um, but I was always very on edge, and I thought it was really cool, and I wanted to be like Johnny Depp. Mm. So, Yo! Dude, that's dope. Lily, any, any thoughts about Pirates? I've never seen them. How oh. dare... Oh, 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 uh, Will's Bro. heart just cracked into a million pieces. I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> At least I brought Sophia on this episode so she can talk about it, okay? Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> anyway, Will? Um, this past term, I gave my first lecture. Um, it was like a guest lecture for cult cinema. Uh, it was a bit of a fiasco the whole course, but um, <laughs> why are you exposing the theater and film department? Anyone who's in the course would know. It's it's okay. it's a, it's not a secret. It's it's well known. Okay, okay. Um, but the film that I ch- I chose to um talk about exploitation cinema, and I I screen Shaft talked about black exploitation films. Um, so I'm putting Shaft on here. I think it's significant, and that was the first lecture I ever gave. Um, I was super nervous, really scared. I think it went well, honestly, but um. The movie, it's not my favorite black exploitation film, but I think it's, uh, I think it, imbo- if you're learning about it as a uh, historical object, I think it's, uh, it's the first one you should probably watch uh, if you're trying to understand what, what the black exploitation cinema, cinematic movement was. Um, and it's really, it's still really, really good. Uh, super gritty New York uh, crime movie. Um, the racial politics are biting, really, really strong. Richard Roundtree obviously was iconic. Um, so I'm a big Shaft guy. <clears throat> um, Shaft 2 is also really good. Like quite a bit different. Um, it goes much more into like Shaft. The first Shaft is more of like a noir movie. I would say the second Shaft goes way more into the action. Um, but the final act really is just one huge action set piece in the first Shaft. And it's it's really, really, really good. So have you seen Shaft 1? I haven't seen Shaft. I think you would love Shaft. I want to watch Shaft. Yeah. It stars uh, Samuel L. Jackson. The, yes, there's a remake. I talked about that in my... Uh, that's not the Wait, Shaft no, that I'm talking is, about. This is, a, this is a 2001. Yeah, that's the uh, that's a remake. Or that's not really a remake, or it's more of like oh, a... The damn. one he's referring to is the yeah, 1971. <laughs> damn! Okay, okay. Well, I've been corrected. I talked about that in my lecture, about the remake <laughs> in Exploitation Cinema. Um but Damn. yeah, I'm getting exposed as a fake film fan, I guess. <laughs> but um, shaking my head. Yeah, um, yeah. Just to let you know, not to freak you out, we have 30 more minutes, so do what you will with that. But keep going. I'll keep going. Um, I guess we can stick with the exploitation stuff and talk about Giallo, um, Suspiria. Obviously, I it's it's not really quite 
what I love about Giallo. Um, I like like the detective noir esque Giallos. Uh, Suspiria doesn't quite fit that mold, but it is like the quintessential Giallo when you ask most people. Um, the soundtrack is just Goblin is is incredible. Um, Argento is one of my favorite filmmakers. He recently released Dark Glasses on Shutter. Really, really good. Super underrated. He's I think Argento's having like a bit of a comeback. Um, he recently acted in Vortex with from Gaspar Noé, which I haven't I seen it adored yet. Vortex. Yeah, so uh, I do have a song to pair with this. I think I think it's just called Suspiria um, by Goblin. Let's see. We have yes, we do have Suspiria by Goblin. Do you want to say something more about Suspiria, or should we? Uh, go to break? I don't. Fernando likes Suspiria a lot. I think I think Fernando should say something about Suspiria. I'm putting you on the spot. Sure, I'm a big Suspiria fan. This is the first Giallo I saw. Um, so it kind of set me up for like the wrong expectation of, of Giallo. Suspiria is like supernatural about witches. Um, the colors are insane. Yeah. When you think about Suspiria, it's like the color red, the color blue. And it's it's scary. And, like the opening sequence, you see some eyes looking from a window, some supernatural eyes. And it is scary. The remake is also very good. It's very different, but it's also very good. But yeah, Suspiria, great. Love it. Yeah. I uh, I wrote a Giallo screenplay for my class this term. So ripped off Suspiria a little bit. <laughs> um, it's really good. So um, hopefully you enjoy the song. You and your brother come on the air and just like admission of, of plagiarism if, if you're not one after admit another. If you rip things off, then I th- you're just, you're kidding yourself. Oh, you know? fair, fair, fair. Like we're all ripping stuff off. That's, that's my opinion. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Love Suspiria. It was also my first Giallo. The first time I watched it, I was taken aback. I didn't really enjoy it. Second time I watched it, knowing what I was going into and after befriending the Rileys and getting like the. Did you watch In the Norm with us? That yeah, day? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like that was a fun day. That was the second time with, I watched it. With Deep Red, which yes. Deep Red is the best Giallo, I think. I, I love Deep Red, yeah. yeah. Both Suspiria and Deep Red amazing films but yeah definitely Suspiria is the most like quintessential Giallo yeah. like more than Deep Red and quintessential Argento I would say yeah big time and here, The Witches I love The Witches by the way I'm glad I you love, love witches. witches okay Sophia Play loves Shaggy song. you love Witches good shit yeah okay and here is the song Suspiria by Goblin
The 22nd edition of DOXA Documentary Film Festival returns May 4th to 14th, 2023. This year, DOXA is once again returning to local theaters. CITR and Discorder Magazine are a proud partner of My Saigon, a feature-length documentary by Montreal-based filmmaker Kuala that constructs a dynamic ode to Saigon's queer and trans communities through a series of intimate character portraits. Visit doxafestival.ca for tickets, and we hope to see you there. We all know that the word jazz means many different things to many different people, so check out the real deal on The Jazz Show at CITR, 101.9 FM, or citr.ca for live streaming. Yours truly, Gavin Walker, is your host, and I guarantee the straight goods of three hours of jazz at its finest. The jazz feature that focuses on a concept, an album, or an individual artist will be heard at the beginning of the show every Monday night, right at 9 p.m., after our opening theme and announcement. So come on by and give your ears a musical workout, 9 p.m. Mondays. Don't miss it. Welcome back to the real world. This is your host, Ampalo Sato, talking to you from CITR, 101.9 FM, Vancouver. I hope you'll enjoy that musical break. Once again, that was Suspiria by Goblin from the movie Suspiria, directed by Dario Argento from 1977. Same year as Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, she! Good mm-hmm. stuff. Anyway, uh, once again, for those of you who are just tuning in, we are once again joined by the incredible, the amazing, the only Lily Grow. Say hello, Lily. Hi. We're joined by Will Riley, ex-radio liaison, now film liaison, soon to be ex-film liaison. He's also TA of film studies. He's also a master's in film studies. What's up? Hello. <laughs> Good. <laughs> We're also joined by the one who keeps coming back, Fernando. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, we're also joined by the celebrity, the world famous singer and guitar player, Sophia Hedler, who is going to perform her new unreleased single at the end of this episode. Say hello, Sophia. Hi. That's that's a singing voice. If I if I heard that voice on the street, <laughs> I would be like that like, person. Like, Hi. Yeah, 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 dude. The the vibrato, like you could you could feel it. I could it. feel it. I, I could feel it. I'm like, oh my god, that person's going to start singing. It's like a, it's like a Disney princess, and. We are also joined by a surprise guest, surprise appearance from the one and only Mia. What is your last name, Mia? Hello. 
Mia Lowenthal. Say hello. Get closure to the mic, Mia. This is my radio debut. <gasps> hey, guys. Damn. Dude, first time on the radio for Mia Lowenthal. So how should I introduce you? Are you like, are you like a famous singer as well? Are you like an actress? Are you, are you like... Are you like... I could just be like a niche celebrity figure. Mm, mm, I <laughs> yeah. see. I see. Yeah. So Mia Lowenthal, she's like, she's like incredibly famous, just like in the very indie, people, indie yeah. circles. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you haven't heard of her, maybe you should, you know, open your horizons. You know, if you're widening your horizon. Early. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Before yeah. she blows up. Yeah. Yeah. Follow her on Instagram right now. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Uh, yep, this is the biggest audience we've ever had at the radio <laughs> show. Thank you all for showing up for our last episode. <laughs> um, anyway, once again, for those of you who are just tuning in, we are going through the movies that shaped the one and only Will Riley, And we have uh, 16 more minutes, so I think Will is going to start lightning round and he's just going to shotgun through a bunch of films with barely any interruptions from all of us. Maybe yeah. I'll interrupt because because I'm the buzz, okay? Yeah, don't make promises you can't keep. <laughs> we'll, yes. we'll just get started with uh, Twin Peaks Firewalk With Me. Liam talked about Twin Peaks, I think, on his episode. Um, Firewalk With Me is, for, for me, the best Lynch, the best Twin Peaks, the best anything ever. Um, really, really, really good. And Juan needs to get on Twin Peaks sooner rather than later. I need to watch Twin Peaks. Hey, Will and I have a deal that if he starts watching Breaking Bad, I'll start watching Twin Peaks, but that hasn't happened yet. That's true. I guess I better get on that for your sake. <laughs> Thank you. Um, next, we'll go with EE. Um, wow, what? <laughs> you have what? EE. EE. Oh, that yeah. one. Yes. Again, that was a that was a Fist Two Thirty, wasn't it? So there was actually two movies that were good, and there was more movies in that class that were good. But it, that was that was it was sim- similar thing to the world, honestly, um, but different, but similar. So really good. If you haven't <laughs> seen it, you should check it out. Um, I actually also watched, speaking of my, my winter movie escapade, I also watched A Brighter Summer Day, which I think I might like better than E.E., which is another Edward Yang movie. It's 237 minutes, though. So this is the kind of movie that when we were talking earlier, about Juan not wanting to waste three hours of his life and then think, like, what was all the point of that? That's probably what's going on with A Brighter Summer Day for Juan. Okay, so, duly noted. Yeah, I would maybe skip that one for Juan. I mean, um, to be fair, I have loved some films that when I started watching them, I was like, I'm going to hate this. Like, I loved Andrei Rublev by Tarkovsky, even mm-hmm. though I hated Stalker. I, mm-hmm. I loved uh, 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 Vortex by Gaspar Noé, which also just, you know, seeing the lives of two elderly, uh, of an elderly couple just spiraling out of control and, you know, them going to their death. So, you know, hey, maybe I'll love it. Who knows? But it's it's not likely. Thanks I think for, for the me, <laughs> I have like a particular interest in like, Taiwanese history and I can't really even tell you why but I I do <laughs> and a brighter summer day is like uh it's it's like a historical epic really um so really really good uh next school of rock I don't know was that mentioned on Liam's episode yeah another one of those ones that just watched a lot um Richard Linklater um I guess I could put days and confused in there as well which Hell is yeah like, I think days and confused is the first criterion uh DVD or is it I don't know if it's a blu-ray or if it's a DVD but that's the first one that we ordered um, so I'm big Richard Linklater guy. Is that Pinchonian? Is Dazed and Confused or Pinchoesque? Yeah, what do you it's, say? It's, it's, it's approaches it. I don't think I don't think Linklater is is operating. It's it's not the same like postmodern past, pastiche. It's the mm. it's the same similar like hangout vibe, but it's not as directly political. Um, still good. Um, an, an underrated Linklater. Everybody wants some. Uh, so if you have, if you're into Dazed and Confused, watch Everybody Wants Some. I haven't seen Boyhood, so. Um, 
Next, I've got like this theory about Lola, the name Lola, and like <laughs> okay. a cinematic Lola universe. <laughs> There's um, the Rainer Werner Fassbender one, which I've been showing. And if you're listening and you're one of my students at Fist 100, which would be bizarre, but I've been using that as like my <laughs> prime example for every single week. Um, and I've been like choosing like for cinematography or for editing. I've just been grabbing clips from this because I think Fassbender is one of the most formally interesting filmmakers. Um, but features a character called Lola. There's also a movie by Jacques Demy called Lola, um, which is about uh, it's it's like about a, a gambler basically. It's it, I watched like a couple gambling movies a while, while back, um, and that's going on there. Um, and there's there's also like the Blue Angel, which is what uh, the Fastbender Lola was based off of. Um, so yeah, there's this little bit of a cinematic Lola thing going on, which I really, really, I think it's interesting. You're not going to mention Kubrick's Lolita? Kubrick's Lolita is also one. So there's Good more stuff. there's, I'm not mentioning them all, but there's definitely a thing. Um, wanted to pick a fight with Juan about Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> so, okay, sure. <laughs> Bring yeah, it on. <laughs> we, we watched Saturday Night Fever last year at, uh, Viff summer in the seventies. Yes. Incredible time. Yeah. Really. Such an amazing experience. Viff is, that was the best, like put together program that I've experienced as like a viewer. It was so good. I stole one of those Summer in the 70s posters and it's just now ha- proudly hanging on my wall. Nice. I-, I love that experience with you guys. Yeah. That, we went, we saw a bunch of movies together. The one that we did see together that I think we had like the strongest difference in opinion was Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. Which I thought it's so incredible. John Travolta is like, I mean, it's young John Travolta, probably peak John Travolta. Yeah. And, um, Probably don't want to get. In, I guess where we differ is maybe the politics of the film. Yeah. Um. But I think it's it's incredible. The dancing in the movie is is amazing. Um. Again, another like New York, a gritty New York, uh, film that kind of fits into like this crime New York genre, but not really like like in a in a roundabout way. Um. I think it's really good. I guess like the only thing I'll say is maybe I just came into the movie with the wrong expectations. Like for me, all my life I've always heard Saturday Night Fever and Grease like mm. being said like in the same in the same sentence. It's like, oh yeah, I, I love John Travolta, Grease and Saturday Night Fever. So going to Saturday Night Fever, having watched Grease, which Grease is a lot of fun. It's a fun movie. It's an energetic movie. It's a, it's a nice happy movie. You know, it's kind of the cinematic equivalent of a hug, I guess, in some ways. Sure. Uh, and Saturday Night Fever is just nothing like that. It's it, more like the cinematic equivalent of getting punched in the face. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's and like the character, the main character, John Travolta's character, is such an asshole yeah. in my opinion, yeah. and he treats women in such a horrendous way yeah. that I just, I'm sorry, I just couldn't get behind it. I, I felt like you know, I'm yes, let's not delve into this because we're, we we have limited time. But I guess for me, it's like you know. I, I'm good with watching assholes on screen. Like, you know, Clockwork Orange, huge asshole on screen, but it's a great movie. Mm. Joker, I love Joker. And that's like the quintessential <laughs> asshole. Um, but, you know, I feel like the difference between those films and Saturday Night Fever is like in those films, it's like, yeah, this character is disturbed and like you should you should be afraid. For me, Saturday Night Fever, it felt like the movie was telling me like, hey, ain't this guy cool? Look at look at this guy. Yeah, sure. He hits women every once in a while. What is this? It's fine. You know, it's, he's a fun guy. He dances. He's dances on Saturday. I disagree heavily. Fair. But- I th- I like he's I we can agree that he's a total asshole. Yes, but I don't think the film necessarily wants you to align with him. But the dancing or if is it, great. Or if it does, then it's a criticis- It's criticizing the viewer as like a concept. Sure. Um, next, Days of Heaven, Terrence Malick. Mm, yes. Um, big Terrence Malick guy. Days of Heaven was another one of those films I was watching in like the the long period of watching a movie every single day. Um, I think it's some of the best cinematography that's that's ever been put on screen. If you haven't heard the story, 
I think they shot like 20 minutes a day for like a year just during Golden Hour. Um, that's kind of like deranged director psycho shit that is interesting yeah. to me. Um, that's one of the ones that I, I watched in summer in the 70s. I remember mm-hmm. you, you were going to come I, I really, me, but... Yeah. I, the reason I put Saturday Night Fever in there is because it was my favorite from summer in the 70s, and that was so significant for me that Fair. I had to put that there. I really, I wish I had caught Days of Heaven. It was an amazing experience. Like, yeah, with the, it was they, on film too. They screened it, right? it on oh. film, and like one of the one of the assistant cameras, I think, for the movie was there at the screening. Damn! And before the movie started, he showed us fifteen minutes of BTS unreleased footage of like Terrence Malick just walking around the set and like like talking to all the camera people and everyone, and it, it felt weird to be in a theater mm. knowing like no one else like this footage has never been shown to anyone like it was just like his private correct collection like in his camera when they were like testing stuff and the movie's great i you know i also have my love hate relationship with terence malick you know mm-hmm. i'm not the biggest fan of tree of life i think yeah. that one's just very pretentious and boring but uh but uh days of heaven love days of heaven tree of life was um one of those experiences where I started the movie and I like really, I despised it. Starting yes. Off. Like the first hour I was like, I was, I think it was just like berating Liam because I, I, I was mad <laughs> that we had selected the film. It was my first Terrence Malick, but like it's same. I got on board and then I like ended up really like loving it. Maybe I like I'll rewatch of, it. Like the top films from the 2000s and I, or 2010s. Yeah. So it's on there for me. Um, next, uh, gotta get some Cronenberg on there. So of I have course. dead ringers and crash. Um, I watched Dead Ringers for the first time with um, my girlfriend and my brother, and it was like a late evening. We watched it, and at the end of the film, there was like a little bit of silence, and um, I turned to my girlfriend and asked her, which it's about two twins, basically, and it's it's pretty deranged, um, and I asked her which, which is which between me and, and Liam, Oh, because I thought there was a very <laughs> obvious answer, and she just like said it. And then the, there was, she was right. There was like no words spoken between any of us. And then we all just like went to bed. <laughs> and it was like a very surreal experience. But if you have seen the film, I, I challenge you to figure out which who is who uh, between Bev and Ellie, uh, between Liam and I. Because I think it's think very listeners clear. listeners have enough information? <laughs> if, you're a li- if you don't know me, then get to know me and then figure it out. <laughs> if you know me, then you should know. Yeah. No, yeah. Dead Ringers, amazing movie. Also love it. And Crash, we, we saw Crash together. At uh, at VIF, yeah, and oh, such a good film. So good, yeah, Ugh. loved it. Love Crash. Very very fucked up. <laughs> Maybe yeah. not for everyone, but then probably not. But I love Cronenberg. So, yeah. um, wanted to talk about Under the Silver Lake. Um, it's like this LA noir that's basically just a re rehash of Vertigo, like so many LA noirs are. Um, but and it's it's another one of those movies I've rewatched a ton of times, and I can't really even say why. It's the same director as It Follows. Um, David Robert Mitchell. He hasn't made anything in a while, but I think he's like one of the best like current working directors. Um, and it's a top tier Andrew Garfield performance. I think Andrew Garfield is incredibly underrated. I think people are coming around to that now. Um, but for a while there, he was like the total the dumpster in terms of his reputation. Um, and I I don't know. I I think Under the Silver Lake is just it's 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 so. It's it's formative for me in my interest in like neo noir. Um, hate to say it, but Liam and I basically ripped it off when we were writing <laughs> our first screenplay. So um, have to give it the credit that's due when I'm ripping it off like that. So I haven't seen it. The poster has always been intriguing. I remember when I figured out. I, I think one of you guys pointed it out, or maybe I figured it out that like every all the bubbles in the poster are actually like shapes of things from the movie and are like subtle references. And I didn't know. That. 
Uh, well, maybe you didn't point it out then. <laughs> but, no, uh, I don't think I did. Yeah, I guess I, I, I saw that by myself, but I remember being blown away by that. And then I remember talking about it with you guys and you guys describing it as like, oh yeah, there's like modern day Vertigo or some, yeah. some stuff like that, which yeah. really interests me. I still haven't watched it, but... Um, It's on my watch list. Maybe at the norm. And Maybe I, I remember you also you also talked about this in 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 an older episode of the Real World when you and Liam were radio liaison. Uh, I remember you were talking about Mainstream, the Andrew Garfield movie yeah. from 2021. Yeah. You talked about this one. One a lot. of my favorite movies from 2021, uh, which I still have. Andrew seen. Garfield performance. Uh, he like I think there was actually like a, a news story that went viral that like there's a video of Andrew Garfield running around naked on <laughs> uh, like Rodeo, I think, in like California. And no one knew why. Like they thought this was in the middle of his. Like people just thought he was like a terrible actor and he was going crazy. <laughs> But actually, he was just filming for this movie. And they just did like a live. Like they had like a running gun camera and they were just shooting these this the scene where he like runs around naked, uh, in the streets of L.A. And it's really good. But Lily um, is desperately googling this video right now. She's <laughs> she just she wants also, to see naked. Lily, you like Coldplay? Is that what is was that? <laughs> Was, did I hear that or am I conjuring yeah, this? Yeah. Lady Likes Coldplay. There's the the best Coldplay noodle drop is in mainstream. Oh really? Yeah. What song? Um, I can't I can't remember which song it is. But it is the best. It is the Anyways, best. Anyways, keep going. Best. Well, it's yeah, it's really good. I don't want to spoil it. Um, three more minutes, Mr. Riley. River's Edge. That was one of the movies I would have said was my favorite movie for a long time as well. Fair. Um, it's like this super nihilistic, like teen. Uh, it's about these. Teenagers who uh, live in like a super small town, like um, the Midwest, I think, and uh, one of their friends, a girl, is murdered by another one of their friends, and they just none of them care, and it's kind of like a really terrible uh, depiction of like youth culture in the '80s. Um, but I think it's like very to go back to affective. It's very affective, <laughs> um, and it, and it speaks to some truth about like teen nihilism that I think is really interesting. Um, Cinematographer, I don't want to mess this up, so I want to make sure I get this right. Hold on, Juan, speak for a minute. I am speaking for a minute. Frederick Elms. I Frederick Elms I'm is done like speaking. A, a frequent uh, David Lynch collaborator, and I think he's one of the best uh, cinematographers that has ever been a cinematographer. Um, really gorgeous film. So, um, what else is there? I think I'm running near the end here. You are. Um, yeah, you have time for like one more. I'll, I'll put Showgirls on there, Paul Verhoeven. I was uh, likened to Paul Verhoeven in my screenwriting class this year, which is was an insult. Um, if you've seen Showgirls, you know that it's a pretty brutal film, um, which is probably an indictment on me, but um, really, okay. really, 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 really uh, formative film for me, I think. Um, so, you know, I've only Fernando, watched... you've definitely seen Showgirls, haven't you? What do you think about me being like compared to Paul Verhoeven? <laughs> okay, Showgirls is like my one camp blind spot. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Well, you have to watch it, and then you'll have to tell me what you think because it's it's really not a good. What's the name of the Verhoeven film with Schwarzenegger? Total Recall. Total Recall. Yeah. yeah. Total Recall. That's that's the only one I've seen, and it was it was very good. I enjoyed that one a lot. But I, I yeah. Paul Showgirls incredibly provocative. Um, some like the worst scenes in cinematic history. In yeah. terms of like its content, it's terrible. I'm looking at its score in IMDb and it is not pretty. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's one of those like flat rating on letterboxes, letterbox that I love. The, I love flat. The rating Great Wall of China, where yeah. you just you just see like like <laughs> no one can make up their mind. Yeah, like Southland Tales, same thing. <laughs> oh, um, you want to say one thing about Southland Tales? Liam covered it. Southland Tales is probably peak of cinema. Yeah. It's uh, 
Okay. <laughs> I actually got in a big fight with my mother about Southland Tales because it's actually an adaptation of uh, the, the last book of the Bible, Revelation. Um, and she thinks it's sacrilegious. So big fight in hey. the family. So. I, I haven't seen Southland Tales. I love Donnie Darko. Southland Tales is made by the director of Donnie Darko. I just remember like before I met... The, whoa, what's happening? Okay. Oh, shit. Okay. They are cutting us off, so we need to finish. <laughs> okay. But all I will say is before I met the Rileys, I, I like the only thing I knew about Southland Tales is that... Uh, uh, you know, a lot of people call it like the worst movie ever made. <laughs> so then when I made them, when I met them and you guys were like, hey, this is one of our favorite films ever. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's really uh, good. I need to check it out. Yeah. I need to watch it. Oh, yeah. I'm looking. Look at that. Look at that great wall of showgirls. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyways, uh, that has been it for this week's episode of The Real World and the final episode of the Juan season of The Real World. Uh, you know, it has been an honor being your host. Uh, it has been a lot of fun. We interviewed some great people. We talked about some great things. Uh, we went through the Real World Oscars. You know, uh, Lily, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for being the best junior radio liaison I could have asked for, generally. Uh, all the episodes got so much better when you started coming here. You know, you, you, you bring so much to the table. I really appreciate it. You know, the little Easter eggs with your family, name calling Adam, and you know it, it's it's fun. So thank you, Lily, and I can't wait to see what you do with the real world. I know you're gonna absolutely kill it. Um, well, thank you, Juan. I wouldn't have been able to do it without you either. Best senior out there, and I'm glad Aww. you'll still be willing to make some guest appearances on Lily's season next year. Yo, um, I'd love to. But yeah, and thank you, Will. Thank you for having Great me. Great episode. Yeah. It was fun. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Fernando. Uh, thank you, Mia, indie, famous, rock star that no one has heard of except for uh, like three people, but uh, she's like indie and now famous. Mainstream with us. <laughs> now yeah, you're mainstream. Now you're mainstream. And once again, Sophia, as promised, uh, take us out with a song. No, I'm kidding. You don't have to <laughs> say but uh, just, just say goodbye. <laughs> thank you. I'm getting more famous with every little intro here. <laughs> yeah, make sure you follow Sophia Hedler. Um, I mean, I guess I should say it just because this is my last episode. If you're like a, you know, a, a listener who doesn't know me personally and like you're interested in keeping up with my taste or what I watch, I guess, you know, you could check out my letterbox. <laughs> like it, uh, you can find me as Juan Pablo Sa. So Pablo is my middle name. So Juan J-U-A-N Pablo P-A-B-L-O and then Sa S-A-A, you know. If if you guys want to keep in touch with what I like, just follow me there. It's uh, a good follow. Infrequent reviews, but when you do review, yeah. they're good. Hey, I, I rate everything. Frequent yeah. ratings. Very yeah. frequent ratings. Very infrequent reviews. But um, yeah, it has been an honor. Uh, an era has come to an end. Um, thank you all so much for being here. And thank you all so much for listening. This has been Juan, and you have listened to The Real World. Goodbye. Ooh, thank Goodbye. you, Juan. Hey, it's over. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. I love you guys. Bye.